This is Tony. And this is Andy. And this is Yenzanat. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another week of Yenzanat. This is, is this 12? 12, yes. It's the we're even 12. dozen. We, we're almost at the baker's dozen. Yeah. Almost. So close. Now oh, I want baked almost? goods. Yeah, I, I really like baked goods. That's my weakness, I would say, baked goods. I don't know. Do you have a, a, a sweet that you like or um, or do you like salty things or, or spicy or? Uh, yes. Yeah. Everything. All of the above. <coughs> uh, yeah. I usually go with a potato chip and chocolate mix because it is the salty and sweet. And really? Yeah. One of the things that I know my family always found a little odd was that my mom would always make yellow cake with chocolate icing because that just was like nostalgia. That was what I grew up with. She would pick a theme based on what I was in or what my sister was into at that time. And she would bake a birthday <coughs> cake for us. Okay. And, you know, I would always choose yellow with chocolate cake because it was nice and simple. Everybody likes it. And it worked for me. Um, you know, they, they would have carrot cake or devil's food cake or white cake with different types of icing and you can get fancy. No, I was just go with the basics, but that like chocolate fudge icing, the sweetness of it almost immediately after I was done with that cake, I grabbed the bowl of potato chips that my parents would always have out when we were visiting, mm -hmm. had people over and would just start downing potato chips because yeah. it was that, that like salty and sweet mix. It worked well, and people always thought I was fucking weird for it, which that's only one of the many, many reasons. But then over the last couple of years here, Holly actually made sure that whenever she would have my birthday cake baked here, that I'd have my own little bowl of potato chips. Now it's just some kind of chocolate once a week or so, some kind of chocolate, uh, whether that be Hershey's or Dove or whatever, with a small little bowl of potato chips, and I'm good to go. I've been getting these since they, they've been, they, they recently started selling them in America, I guess. I don't know when this took place, but it happened this year, I believe. They started selling those Kinder Buono, Buono bars, and they have a wafer, and then there's hazelnut cream inside, and then there's chocolate on top of it. And I I originally had one of those when I was in Jamaica, when I was there for work years and years and years ago. And I loved those and we I just couldn't find them here. And now um, they start started selling them. I saw them at Sheets and I was like, what? And then I like I, I like grabbed four of them. I'm like, I'm eating these all tonight. So I yeah, since since I can get these now, those have been my chocolate of choice if I wanted like a candy bar or something, but I, I do love baked goods. I really like pies and, and cookies. I just, I, I like them too much. It's why I'm fat. <laughs> Cause I like all the sweets, you know? Oh yeah. I'm right there with you. Now that I know that this donut shop, this divine donuts is mm -hmm. less than a 10 minute drive away. I really have to watch myself and think, uh, it's very, very close. I could get there and be back before anybody knows I'm gone. <sighs> yeah, sweets. Anyway, uh, enough about sweets because we can go on. This That could be a whole episode, and I don't want to spend the entire episode thinking about all the, like, sugary goodness that I shouldn't have because, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, today was a great day for me. I don't know about you, but it was freaking gorgeous out. It was 91 degrees today. Just, it wasn't deafening, like hot, like, oh, I can't move. I can't do anything. It wasn't that bad, but it was, it was definitely, you definitely felt it. And I was able to go out kayaking today with uh, my sister and my niece. And it was such a good time being out on the water. You know, it's, it's funny with the whole COVID thing happening. You know, I don't really get to see my family all that much. And I was out, you know, on the water and we were just, talking and there was no cell phones you know it, i feel that when i have when i do have family gatherings that I, i'm at or whatever everyone's always on their cell phones you know and like it was nice that we were just on the water paddling away 
talking, laughing, you know, just, it was just a great time. It, it was just a beautiful day out. And it just, I, you know, with all the COVID stuff, it just made me really kind of miss my family that I don't get to see that often because, you know, all of this. So, so when you get a chance to hang out and do like not necessarily ordinary things with your family, like just do it. Cause it, it's, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was very peaceful and just fun and we stayed six feet away. So, but we did splash each other. <laughs> That, that did happen. You're on the water. You have to. Yeah. And I didn't save any bees. So like there was none to be saved. Like I didn't save any animals or like baby deer or anything. So, you know, I'm, I'm not no beekeeper or whatever. So. Savior of the bees. Yeah. That is not the case. I saved one bee one time. Let's not talk about all the murdering I've done of bees before. <laughs> Well, when they try to invade my house, I got to defend myself. I, you know, you know, you could have a gun or you could have bug spray. <laughs> yeah, both, I chose bug spray. Both equally effective against all intruders. Because no one likes being sprayed with DEET or whatever. <laughs> raid to the face. Yeah, raid. <laughs> raid. Raid kills bugs dead. You know, it's funny because you just said that. And then it reminds me of jingles that we've heard throughout our life. And there's one that, like, I think everybody in Pittsburgh, if you just say Century 3 Chevrolet. Oh, fucking yes. You know, everybody, everybody knows that. The last time you said, oh, there's an earworm. I'm going to get you to listen to this thing. And it's going to be stuck in your head for a long time. I didn't know what you were talking about. And so I was immune to it. This one, fuck you, though. I know this one. Like you said, everybody in Pittsburgh knows this. So as soon as you said Century 3 Chevrolet, I was like, my mind right went right there. And I started singing it all the way through. And then I realized the minutes from the mall doesn't fucking matter anymore because there's no mall, which nice little bleed into one of the previous podcasts that we have where we talked about Century 3 Mall and all of our shenanigans with that place. Yes. But yeah, that's a jingle that if you are our age or slightly younger, you know that jingle. It has pervaded your consciousness for years to the point where it gives you night terrors. Okay, maybe not that severe, but it's pretty fucking close. Now I want to have it as my ringtone when I'm around my family. <laughs> ah, there people you go. call me. Lebanon Church Road, Pittsburgh. Minutes from the mall. Yeah, so there's a jingle for you all. But was there any other jingles that you can recall that, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily Pittsburgh related. I just remember, so I had just listened to a podcast from the guy that did the raid kills bugs dead. Like he was responsible for 50 of those things because he had a very unique voice. He was able to get that mix between jingle style and announcer voice. And he was in the game early enough that, he kind of set the bar for it. Yeah. I do recall the Dunkin' Donuts. I don't, I don't recall the specifics of the jingle. I just remember the guy that would get up stupid ass early and he would talk Time about to make the donuts. To make the donuts. Yeah. That one, seeing that commercial over and over again, uh, and they did it in like four or five different ways. So yeah. there was a new one for each season where he would be thrilled to be making donuts at three in the morning for the business rush hour mopes that wanted the donuts and coffee and then moved on with their lives. And I will say Dunkin' Donuts back then in like the 80s and 90s, their donuts were actually not bad. Somewhere when they rebranded, because here in Pittsburgh, we had tons of Dunkin' Donuts and then most of them disappeared. It was weird. It's just like we had tons of them and then all of a sudden we don't have any and i remember up in baldwin brentwood carrick area on brownsville road there was a donut connection yeah which which <laughs> yeah. was which was like the poor man's dunkin donuts and they it, took over from the dunkin donuts that was there the, yeah it, his family it, moved in and took it over and called it donut connection and it took one time of going there to realize that that was more than enough Oh, also, like right across from there, Long John Silver's. Yeah, another place that lasted forever with all kinds of nostalgia and then suddenly went away. And then Long John Silver's were very difficult to find. 
Well, I mean, there was some that turned into Long John Silver's A&W. Yeah, they merged. Which, yeah, which I was a fan of because I liked A&W. I mean, I have six A&W mugs in my, in my kitchen, in, in my cupboard, because I um, bought them. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I bought them. I know, you have the receipts right with them. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> I mean, as long as you ring the bell, I don't think anyone cared. No. <laughs> No, I, I liked their little business touch of having the chilled mugs where you'd walk over to the fountain yourself and you pour yourself a nice icy cold glass of A&W root beer to sit down with your A&W burger or whatever. And uh, the root beer would have this little kind of crust iceberg thing that would form on the top as it froze the yeah. whatever was in there. You know, that when you're younger, that's pretty awesome. Yes, until it you is. get a little bit older and you realize what that all is and you're like uh, okay we're done yeah but you know can't we just love our innocent youth <laughs> oh yeah i mean that's just what nostalgia is all about you can remember these things and suddenly those waves of remembrance come back at you I, one place that we didn't have here but we had up at my camp we had we my family had a camp in pima tuning um and it was awesome i loved going there and there was a place that was across the border uh, border in Ohio called Mr. Hero. And I don't know, my, my sister was, was driving through one state recently and she mentioned, do you remember Mr. Hero? I'm like, yes. I, they had like really good subs. And I remember going there once that we were up, up camp and there was a tornado warning or watch going on. And it was really close to us. And I'm freaking out because I'm like, we're all going to die. You know, because I'm, I'm thinking tornadoes equal death and we're all going to die. And I remember sitting around the table in the kitchen and a, a lot of us are playing cards. We we're playing like go fish or something. I don't remember exactly. And it's like, OK, well, we're hungry. Let's go get some food. And we end up going to Mr. Hero. And I'm just thinking we're going to die in the car now. Because, like, I mean, before we were in a trailer, now we're in a car, and we're all just going to die. We're just going to be lifted up and thrown in the water or something because it's the lake's right there. But I remember going, and it was raining pretty hard at times, and then we got there, and we had, a, we had sandwiches, which it was really good. I really loved that place. And then we went back, and that, that was it. There wasn't anything else to it, but I was scared because I thought we were going to die because there's a tornado, like, a couple miles from us. Yeah, if that's not something you deal with on a fairly regular basis, especially when you're a kid, suddenly all of those terrifying tornado movies that you hear about mm-hmm. or the newscasts, suddenly that gets amplified and suddenly everything you've ever known is destroyed and dead. Yeah. In Pittsburgh, it was very, very rare to have anything coming even close to tornado strength. But we did have a tornado hit Mount Washington because yeah. I, I, I was working down across on the north, in the North Shore. And apparently it was right like, like where we were at. You could see where it was and we did not see it at all because we weren't paying attention. And that was just weird that there was something that close. And I wasn't, you know, I was an adult or well, somewhat of an adult. And uh, I, I didn't freak out or anything. I, I kind of thought it was kind of cool. It's funny. I was working you know. at Kennywood during that. Oh, really? Were you? Yes. Your your favorite was isn't would Kennywood be your favorite job you ever had? Only if today is opposite day. Do you want to share your Kennywood experience? No, I do not. Did you not. have to sign a, a waiver to not speak of it? <laughs> no, no, I didn't have to sign an NDA. And even if I did, uh, the time period, the grace period, is long, long over on that. Yeah, I mean, anytime I've ever gone to Kennywood. You don't see excitement on any of the workers' faces. <laughs> no, I mean, you do not. They seem like they are all dead inside. Yeah. All of them. I, I, I mean, just the couple times I've been in the last couple years and seeing the people just like, you know, they have this, this face that's just like, oh, I, I can't do, do this anymore. And then it's like, you know, and you go up and get, you know, like a funnel cake with ice cream because sweets again. And they, they just, they're just like plop. Just seeing, they, they had no will to do their job and do it with any kind of enthusiasm. Yeah. It, was all, it was all just like, I'm miserable, so you're going to be miserable. It is a big 
coming of age realization where prior to that, obviously you think it's a theme park with rides and I love every minute that I was there in the past as a kid, everything was great. How bad can it be if I actually work there? That sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. And then you go there and everything about it fucking sucks. I haven't stepped foot back in that park since I worked there. It had ruined me from ever going there. And I lived in Pittsburgh for a good 15 years after I worked there. So damn. Yeah. Family would love to be like, oh, we're going to kids day or Italian day or Polish day or whatever they had to Kennywood. And like, are you going to come? Fuck no. I would rather spend the day hammering nails into my dick. Damn. That's a bold statement. Just like this hot sauce. It's bold. (laughs) I'm not holding hot sauce and that's it. It was the, it was the, visual in your mind's eye that really counted there i think yeah well you know i i want to do a lot of visuals for the audio listeners yeah because it's it definitely helps embellish the stories that we're presenting <laughs> so we did a lot of like nostalgia seems to be the theme of the game tonight yeah and it's a nice little segue here into a movie that i watched this morning I had spent some time this morning watching some movies on Amazon. I was up stupid early and wasn't going to get back to sleep anytime soon. So I watched a few movies and then watched a couple of documentaries on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. And one of them was Chris Claremont's X-Men. Going through... The, or- the original from the 90s, right? Or early 2000. Is it the new class or is it oh, no, old no, no. school? No, it's a documentary of Chris Claremont, who was the writer oh. for X-Men. Yeah, not the X-Men movies. Um, okay, sorry, movies. my bad. Yeah, he was a writer through middle-late 70s, up through the 80s, into the 90s, and he formed a lot of what I knew of as the X-Men. Like, he came in, took over from the original five, and created uh, stories with the ones that you've seen in the X-Men movies themselves. So those were like his creations. He ran the Dark Phoenix saga. He ran uh, the Genosha series, the Extinction Agenda, a bunch of those kind of crossovers that were right in my heyday of reading comic books. That was about the time where some of the big, big stories that Claremont was putting out were top of mind. I I, I would go looking for them. I would try to understand these characters and -hmm. I would buy as many of them as I possibly could with whatever allowance I had. So this this, uh, documentary was going through his trials and tribulations with Marvel as a company, the different editors in chief that he had to fight in order to get various stories across. And then finally, basically being pushed out of the captain's chair by Jim Mm -hmm. and Rob Liefeld. So once the uh, money marketers came in and took leadership positions in in Marvel, they sided with the artists who were up and coming and they were spectacular. I mean, Jim Lee was a spectacular artist, but he used X-Men as jumping board. He used it, moved on to other things. Liefeld did the same thing. Um, he came in there, used X-Men and New Mutants, and then jumped from there to his own creations and their own comic companies. Anyway, getting back to the nostalgia part of it, as kind of montages or segues in between story breaks, they would show the covers of the pivotal issues. Yeah. And I was realizing, I own that one, I own that one, I own that one. There were a significant number of anything from like 150 all the way up to about the 300 range that I own. And it was seeing these comic book covers over and over again. I remembered hunting through the comic book store at Century 3 Mall for Mm -hmm. any kind of good, cheap uh, back covers of these issues that I needed in order to flesh out my collection. Or going to Collector's Den, up on Brownsville Road before we got into the Magic the Gathering there. And they had loads of comics going through those boxes to try to find the ones that I was missing. And just remember reading them in my bedroom at my parents' house, you know, just stack on stack and stack of the various comic books. Just seeing these covers was enough to evoke those feelings of nostalgia for me as well. Yeah, I I didn't really get into comic books all that much. I mean, I do have some from that time, but I'd never really got into it like that. I don't know why. I, I guess, yeah, I know why, because it's reading. <laughs> <laughs> because like, because I, I 
reading just makes me tired. It makes me sleepy and want to fall asleep. I just don't really like reading all that much. It's not like I don't like learning. I like learning. I just don't like reading because it's like I'm sitting there and have it in my hand and I'm looking at it and then it's just like, okay, I I just get tired. I can't do it. I I just can't do it as much as I would would like to. That's why like even my iPad, I got so many freaking books on my iPad I downloaded. How many have I read? Three. I read the Hunger Games books. Sorry to everyone who reads. I'm not, I'm just not that person. So you didn't get so many uh, Pizza Hut personal pan pizzas from the book club when you were in grade school? Oh, I faked that shit because that, those little personal pan pizzas were the fucking best. There was nothing like going and getting some and just like, oh, so good. I wish Pizza Hut still tasted like that. You know, you associate that taste, the, the flavor of that pizza with happiness from your childhood. Because yeah, who didn't like Pizza Hut? What it is. Who, yeah. who didn't like Pizza Hut as a kid? I don't know anybody who didn't. You know, so when you you have that that just that smell and just how the cheese rolls off when you're taking a bite and everything, it, we sound like a Pizza Hut commercial. But <laughs> well, don't forget the tabletop Pac-Man game. Oh yes, and those red cups with the the crushed ice that went into it. It was a full experience. It wasn't just taking out Pizza Hut like they have now, or, you know, you sit down and it is the worst of mass manufactured food. You know, this was the nostalgia bomb full effect. The entire experience with that bad wood paneling and the weird stained glass that they had is the, yeah, the chandeliers that came down over each table. You wanted to have quarters from your family so that you could play that Pac-Man game before your pizza actually showed up. Your server would show up with the pan and you just dive in there. Yeah, the whole thing was a special experience. And just be, there was something special about sitting down and playing Pac-Man, like sitting down on the machine and playing. That I don't know why that was such a big deal to us back then, but that was just huge. I, I, I always wanted to get one of those. Yeah. That'd be a cool coffee table getting like a Pac-Man machine like that. Yeah. I've seen them since in various arcades. Yeah. But they're surrounded by all the big flashy stuff and you know, the, the claw machines and everything. Now you don't Mm -hmm. get that. Like this was the one attraction thing that was sitting off to the side where like, is it, it was a special experience where you went there and that was part of it. You had to throw yeah. some quarters into this machine and play the tabletop Pac-Man because otherwise you missed out. It wasn't a real Pizza Hut visit unless you had that. Well, yeah, I mean, the Pizza Hut, I mean, I haven't been in a Pizza Hut like that, like a restaurant in years. I mean, is the one in the South Hills still open? There was two of them. There was one down, or one near um, Brentwood Town Square on 51, and then there's the one that's on 51 near Denny's. That's right. Yeah. The, the one that was near what used to be Century 3 Mall. Yes. Which we would go to on a regular basis because it was either one of the two Denny's that was down by Southland or the one that was up by Lebanon Church Road. Yep. Or that Minutes Pizza Hut. Fuck you. <laughs> that Pizza Hut that was right there by the Toys R Us area. And <sighs> there was a third one. I'm sure there were more. But those were the two main ones. Going back even further, like the grade school years, there was one out toward Lincoln Place. If you went way past the mall, past the airport, uh, you would eventually come back around down toward Hayes, like the Hayes area. Okay. And okay, yeah. Lincoln Place, there was a Playmore Bowling Alley was there. My dad had bowled there and I had bowled on Saturday mornings because we had a league. And if we got done early, we would shoot over to Pizza Hut that was right across the road in order yeah. to have you know the small miniature uh, personal pan pizzas as a good celebration for you know not getting eight gutter balls in a row or whatever. But the thing is, it was never enough pizza. Even as a kid, it was never enough pizza. But man, it's just like you get the, this mini pizza, this little, little pizza. It looks it was just all like mine. This big, this it was all mine. That was the thing. Like, yeah, it, 
share. Wouldn't share with my parents, wouldn't share with my sister because it was all mine. It was nice and small. It was right there. And she'd have her own because she read a book and my parents would share like their own medium because they had weird, they had weird toppings on theirs. And I would be yeah. like, no, pepperoni. It's got to be pepperoni. Don't put anything else on my pizza. It's pepperoni. My, when it comes to pizza, I'm very plain. I only really like pepperoni. I'll have bacon if if people want bacon on it or whatever, or you know sausage at times or whatever. But when it comes to it, I just want pepperoni. Don't give me that shit. You're a fucking liar. Do you remember? No. Do you remember the pierogi pizza that you hooked us on down on East Carson? There was some place just a couple of streets back from East Carson that had pierogi pizza because they would stash onions and mashed potatoes on pizza with like white cheese. And you were like, guys, this is the greatest pizza I've ever had. You need to come and taste this. And then we did. And we were all like, fuck you. You're right. This is awesome. And now we have to shovel money at these people to give us pierogi pizzas. Mm-hmm. There was no pepperoni in that pizza. I put it on my pizza. <laughs> no, you didn't. They were like, no, you're having a pierogi pizza. We don't put pepperoni on that. It's called Michael's Bar. My, Michael's Pizza Bar and Restaurant. Is it still there? And yeah, yeah, it's still there. They, awesome. They used to have, um, well, I mean, I don't know. Okay, it was before COVID. I don't know because COVID has ruined everyone's lives. So I don't know if they're still around. I hope so because they were there forever. And they make everything, well, I at least know they make the pizza fresh. I don't know about everything else. Because you would go and order a pizza and it takes like, 45 minutes for you to get your pizza and you're like what the hell pizza takes like 12 minutes tops they yeah it's so good it's so good i the progi pizza minus the onions because fuck onions they're horrible but yeah i i, I really liked don um not don's bar don's bar is another place uh, michael's pizza bar um, so speaking of the pepperoni yes have you tried the spicy bold pepperoni pizza sicilian obviously from jets yeah see j-e-t-s chats 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 pizza yeah i can't say enough good things about that i was hooked on that when i went to a friend's place in detroit and they ordered pizza from there and i'm like this is delicious where is this from and it's like yeah it's like a chain or whatever it's like okay cool i I was wondering I i wonder if they have them in pittsburgh and i did find one in pittsburgh in dormont and it turns out that Antonio would order from there all the time when he had gatherings and stuff. So I ate there before. So I was like, damn, I've been like, I didn't know what it was called. Now I know. So yeah, I've ordered from there a bunch of times since, and it is so good. That spicy, bold pepperoni is, it's the shiznit. It's good. Oh yeah. So you at least have the obstacle of having to drive out to Dormont because they won't deliver to your location, which only, only once I, I, I was able to order. They, they had it through like DoorDash or whatever, or Grubhub. And it, it didn't take that long, surprisingly, because it's not technically that far of a drive from where I'm at, but it's just annoying. All right. Using DoorDash or Grubhub, you're contracting somebody else to go and get your pizza and bring it to you. It's not mm-hmm. like the Jets delivery service. So there's at least that obstacle for you to keep your consumption of Jets pizza on a level that's acceptable. There's a Jets here, which probably if there weren't canals in the way, it's within fucking walking distance. So I don't have that obstacle of having to drive to go and get my pizza and the annoyance of getting behind the wheel and opening up the garage door and Oh, the horrors of actually having to drive on the road with other people. Yeah. Have them delivered and the pizza will be there in like 25 minutes because they're fucking on the dot. These guys are great. So, yeah, that's probably why I'm uh, – let's, let's just go with uh, slightly overweight during these COVID times. Fat shamer. <laughs> I'm shaming myself. But yeah, I, yeah. I have no obstacles in the way where I'm just like, hey, you know what I'm in the mood for today? Spicy bowl pepperoni pizza. Bring it to me. Yes. And then actually, I, I actually had pizza for dinner tonight, and it was from uh, the Petros in Westview. And it's the thick Sicilian cut, and the pizza is like an inch and a half thick. And they use a gr- um, great sauce. And I, I use, like I said, I'm boring. I get pepperoni. It's, it's delicious, and I can eat 
it, it the thing is it's it's so thick that i can only like eat total of like four at a time anything after that it's just like it's not going to be pleasant um <laughs> nobody involved enjoys it anymore no 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 there's nothing good about this at all but yeah i i really love them now they my favorite pizza in pittsburgh was would probably be minio's uh in squirrel hill i don't know what it is but the the pizza is just so delicious and i like it when it's not directly out of the oven when i go i usually get just like a couple slices and i say as is so i don't get it um heated up because when you they when it comes out it's like soup on top because all the grease is just sitting on top and i'm yes i'm one of those people that like you know get the napkin and and damp what is it dap damp whatever dab but dude dab. it's better that that shit gets sucked up into paper napkins than to sit in your arteries yeah that pizza is really good and it's totally worth it so that would be my first choice my second choice would probably be ventos and east liberty that shit is so good me and you would crush an entire large pizza <laughs> yes. like 16 cuts because it's a, it's sicilian pizza but and it, it is thick but when you put it in your mouth that crust just like shrinks yeah and it, it, it's it, like aerogel you put it yeah. in it's like melted away like cotton candy we crushed many of like 16 cut pizzas just ourselves you know, if, if it's like if Jay was coming, we had to order like another half of a pizza because I'm not giving up my eight cuts. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah. It would be like, all right. Okay. So do we rock, paper, scissors for who gets to sacrifice their spots? Do we Rochambeau for it? Like, how do we split these pizzas? Because if it was just a random weekend afternoon coming back from disc golf or whatever, yeah, we just throw a 10 down a piece, yeah. go out there and split a full Ventos and then sit there and moan about how we were so bloated afterwards. But it was totally fucking worth it. During the time, absolutely is worth it. Every fucking moment. My, my third place, but they're no longer around here, would be to Carlos. To Carlos was, there was one on 51, but the one that I went to because I had to travel for work a bunch of times and it was on the way to some of these different places I had to go. It was on, is it Dallas Pike exit on, is it 80? I think going towards like, it, like towards West Virginia. Uh, it, it was out that way, but it was the Dallas Pike exit near the uh, Cabela's. And um, they, they put their cheese on after the fact. So they'll put the sauce and the toppings on and cook it. And then they'll drop the cheese on after and it just slightly melts and the, whatever cheese they use was like crack and just crushed that shit too. So I, that was my, the third place. And the fourth place I would say is DePetro's for me because DePetro's is just so good. That's my pizza review for Pittsburgh. And that's this week's pizza segment. We're just going to do whatever segment comes to our mind at the time and then and then declare it a it. segment. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just talk about a topic, ramble on for what is it now? A half hour on fucking pizza and then say, okay, that's a segment. Good. That's our pizza segment. Tune yeah. back in next week for part two. <laughs> there is one place that I very much miss that growing up in Pittsburgh, we went to a lot. My family, my family is, is from the Mount Oliver area. One thing we would always, when we went over there, we would go to Mike's lunch. I don't know if anyone's ever been there. It's been a while since it's been a thing, but they had a thing called a bag of burgers, which was like eight burgers and four, four uh, servings of fries for like $8. And that was like, holy shit, you know, like that's fucking, you can feed a family, you know? And we went there a lot. Went, especially when we went over to my grandparents' house, and the burgers were good. It like even after the fact, like when I was a, an adult and I was living on my own, I would drive to Mount Oliver just to go get Mike's lunch for dinner or whatever because I missed it. You know, it was one of those places that you just really I don't know. It, it, like you get like you, like you said before, nostalgic because I remember I have so many good memories of going there. 
after like a pirates game with my family and then we'd get a bag of burgers and sit down and and they had the like the nice like crumbled ice and everything it was just such a you know dive diner like feel it was it was good Mm -hmm. i missed it did your family take you there do you remember that no you did oh that's right I went there with you a couple of times. It was, you know, one of those either stupid late night after watching movies at your apartment or playing video games. I think this was before the DDR years, but we had been there a couple of times where I think it would have been you and me and Jay and maybe a few others that I'm forgetting where we would all just take a pilgrimage out to Mike's lunch. That would be the thing because like you said, it was cheap food. You'd be able to go out there as a cheap bastard that was spending more money on magic cards and comic books than sustenance and yeah. be able to go out there and get something that was actually filling for a very, very late night dinner and then just drive back and hang. You know, I was reminded earlier this week about one time we were down the South side and we were just, it, it was, it was like a Friday or Saturday night and we went to a couple different bars and we were around where Brugger's is on the south side. And there is this hat laying on the ground. And I, I'm walking and I'm just like, I look at it. And it looks like a really nice hat. It's like, who lost their really nice hat? That sucks. And it was one of those like Peaky Blinders types of hats. You know, like the old guys wear or whatever. And it had the snap on the front, you know, so it looks like you're like kind of mean looking. And... I'm like, oh, this is such a cool hat. And it was brownish, whatever. And I'm not really a big brown person. Like, I, I just was never color-wise in, the, like, my color scheme of my clothes or whatever. I was never really a big brown person. But I don't know. There's something about this hat. And I'm like, I got to keep this hat. So I ended up picking up the hat and putting it in my pocket. And then I ended up going home. And I washed it about eight times. Before I was like, okay, I think I cleansed it of whatever, whatever funkiness it might have had. And I ended up wearing that, which it eventually became the Biff hat because, <laughs> yeah. because that's what we called it. I don't know why. I think Mike came up with that. Yeah. Biff and Epsched and Emlo. Yeah. <laughs> and so like this hat that I found on the side of the sidewalk in, in Southside of Pittsburgh. But yeah, I loved that hat for a long time. I wore that for probably, probably eight to 10 years. I, it was a long time, but it, it got holes in it and it started to get funky. And I was like, okay, it's time to, it's time to get, get, get rid of it. So I let time it go. Retire it, send it up to upstate New York where, where it could run around free with all of the other hats that were found on East Carson Street. Well, I, I should have given it like a Viking funeral or something. You know, we should have went to the river, put it on a little boat and like, you know, lit it on fire. It had been part of the gang for, like you said, eight to 10 years. It had a personality. It did. I mean, it, it, it was the Biff hat. Everyone knew. It's like, hey, you're wearing the Biff hat. Yes, I am. <laughs> well, of course. Why wouldn't I be wearing the Biff hat? Yeah, I can't wear. I can't believe you're wearing that thing. I mean, you found it on the fucking street. So, I miss that. I just miss hanging out like that. We had so many good times. Oh sure, yeah. This is the nostalgia episode where we yes. think about what we were doing twenty to twenty-five years ago, where we didn't have any adult responsibilities aside from putting gas into our cars. And we didn't have to social distance and stay away from one another and only speak via text or Zoom, where we'd be able to get together and hang out at my parents' place in the basement or wherever the drum set was. And for like nine hours straight, not making any coherent song, just making random discordant noises because that's what we did. I remember the first time we were, we actually had an audience in your parents' basement, you know, (laughs) where the, everything was set up. I remember Mike came over and I think it was two of his friends or something. Oh yeah. His uh, Duquesne buddies. Cause they were yeah. the music program together. Y- yeah. And then we, <laughs> yeah, you have these people who are studying music for their livelihood and we're like, check us out. We just decided to start a band and we're playing music. And we, we played and we played um, a song called green, which I wrote yeah, I don't know. I really like the song. 
And I thought that that take that we did for that, I think that was really good. I think we had a really good take there. And it was me, you, and Dan at the time. And yeah, it was weird because we never, it's funny because we, we played in a garage band for how long, but we never really played in front of anybody. And having that, like, I, I get stage fright. I don't know about you, but I get very stage fright when it, all that shit, which is funny because like, okay, we're going we're gonna to be in a band. We're going to play shows maybe someday. Yeah, how am I going to do that? <laughs> <laughs> there isn't enough alcohol. <laughs> no, I, I can basically turn off or turn on my stage personality at a whim. So stage fright doesn't happen for me. I can get right up there and start improvising and chatting with the best. However, at the end of that, uh, I can't guarantee anything because the feedback we got that night is basically why my guitar hangs on a fucking wall and I don't play it anymore. I don't know. I felt good about that night. That night, I'm like, I, that just, that really did it for me. I was like, okay, I want to do this. And we practiced pretty hard, but we never really, we practiced, but we never got much better. <laughs> Nope. It's like I'm still stuck in, in 98 when it comes to my technical skill with a guitar or a bass. It was a combination of the people with abilities that I looked up to incessantly making fun of my lack of abilities. So that was, that was a little discouraging and yeah. prevented from moving forward anywhere. But also the perfectionist side of me and the stupid fucking music we were listening to at the time, which it takes those musicians the better part of 30 years to be able to have those skills of, I don't know, you know, 30 years of daily practice and making sure that that is their entire life. And then thinking, well, I should be able to do that too, because I'm a fucking stupid teenager. And I'm thinking, ah, if I just practice this for a couple of hours a day, I should be able to play this solo or let's, let's knock down the expectations a little bit. Uh, like yeah. Eddie, Izzard, Eddie Izzard says, you're British. So tone it back a little bit. Maybe, maybe I should be able to play the rhythm part of this guitar. Uh, okay, no, yeah, no, you suck. So let's bring the expectations down a little bit even further. Okay, maybe I should play the chords to this song, like the mm -hmm. general chord progression. No, I still fucking suck at this. So let's tone it back a little bit. Hey, you know what I can do? I can put a screw in a wall and put a hanger on that screw and then I can hang my guitar there and I could look at it and think that, well, shit, that needs dusting and then walk away. <laughs> I do still play my drums a lot less when I was working on the house earlier this year but I was playing probably I was playing every day I was practicing every day for probably about min I'd say minimum half hour like I'd just jump on play a couple songs and then be done I would like to record some stuff for the show someday there you go no time like the present yeah but that's work and <laughs> I know you can do it for the baker's dozen episode Yes. No, that's next week. Yes. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it, Jim. It's not going to happen. <laughs> There's that optimism. Well, no, it's not going to happen next week, but maybe by the end of the year, I'll put something together. We could change up and have, have different musical segues. I can do that now. I know how to do that in uh, Audacity. I can yes. bring in other tracks. I can fade in. I can crossfade. I can fade out. It's going to be great. Yeah, I'm that's for why it. That's why I wanted to, do, to get working on this podcast to get some familiarity with that application. And I've managed to do so. Well, why don't you become an audio engineer so you can fix the rest of the setup that I want in the rock room so we can start recording shit. Ah, that's too much work. Wah, that's all I hear. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's like, wah, I have to get out of the pool. Wah. I know, right? I heard yeah. thunder today and I looked up and there was a, a cloud over Fort Myers and I realized eh, it was going north and I didn't have to worry about it. Ah, lightning <laughs> might strike. I don't give a shit. I'm in the pool. I had my earbuds in and was listening to the darkest timeline because I either listened to that or spitting chiclets or something about voice acting, whether that be Rob Paulson's talking tunes or Mike Lenz's voice uh, or mission audition or something like that in order to, maybe learn something about voice acting but i've been listening to the darkest timeline and it was the episode i'm way behind on it because they're like two hours long they're good but at two hours out in the pool it's time to get, you're getting a little crispy and it's time to come in yeah i was listening to the jim rash episode which was oh. like a month and a half ago for the record 
Jim Rash is a national fucking treasure. That guy is beyond hysterical without any script, without any planned itinerary or agenda. The improvisation that that guy can come up with on a whim mm-hmm. and refer back to information. You know, I think, I think he took the dementia test too, and he can refer to shit that was like a half hour ago and he'd be able to come back with this stuff. He is incredibly hysterical as far as topic and timing. So yes, he's amazing. Granted, we've seen him a lot on Community, love his character as Dean Pelton. But when he's just put on the spot and he's talking to these two schmoes who are just making fun of him because of what he has on the background and what the screen was going, and he was dishing it just as well as he was taking it. And that guy is just amazing. Yeah, he is. There's my man crush for the day. Like right now, after listening to that, Jim Rash and Seth Green are neck and neck. Jim Rash had, well, he did the after show for Stranger Things season two, was it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I know you didn't. Boo. <laughs> boo. Fucking I, boo. Uh, yeah, I didn't like it. I know it should have been. So I'll let you continue your story. But little aside, this should have been a show that was tailor made for me. It was about Dungeons and Dragons, which I fucking love at a time where I was growing up, which I'd be able to relate to and just laden with all kinds of nostalgia references, which as we've known from this podcast, I'm all about nostalgia. It should have been just a fucking grand slam out of the park. Mm-hmm. I didn't give a shit about any character in there. I couldn't relate. So after I give them my usual, here's the pilot. Okay, we're getting the characters together. I understand the story. After like the fourth episode, about however many hours in, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not wasting any more time. I don't care. So that's my- well- Stranger Things story. We'll go back to you and uh, Jim Rash doing his post. Well, he, he did another show called In the Writer's Room, which they would do like a movie like Dirty Dancing or something like that. And the writers and some of the actors sometimes would be on it. And it was really well done. I ha- I only saw one season. I didn't know if it got picked up for a second season. It was on Hulu or something. I So I don't know. But it was such a good show. And he is such a good even if it's something that's like serious and talking about you know in being in the writer's room and 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 stuff like that he's very entertaining just talking about anything and so like i i I agree with you where i really feel that he is just a very bright and just awesome funny person whatever so yeah he is stunningly intelligent and Mm -hmm. as much as i like to toot my own fucking horn and how much I am knowledgeable about various shit. He is just naturally intelligent and naturally enthusiastic about the topics he's talking about. So imagine being in that room with like Jim Rash and Dan Harmon. That would be pants weddingly terrifying because those guys are just so fucking good at what they do that it would be terrifying. Like going back to what I said about how I don't get stage fright, blah, blah, whatever. If I can kind of generalize, if I step on stage or when I have an audience that I'm presenting at work through Zoom, or even if I'm up in front of a, on a stage presenting a slideshow to a bunch of uh, attendees at a conference, I've got no problem doing that shit. Oh, I do. But somebody like going up in front of Jim Rash and Dan Harmon, I would have pissed my pants. I, I would have just been like, I, I give up. This was the worst decision of my life. I'm so sorry for wasting your time. Please don't execute me. <laughs> and then I walk off the stage. Because what else are you supposed to do in front of those guys who are just that incredible? I don't know. I mean, I've met some people that I would, like celebrities, but people I would consider heroes at a stage in my life. And like even, I know I talked about it before, about meeting Mike, Mike Portnoy. And he it was right around the Blair Witch Project. And, you know, I was like... Oh, you like Blair Witch? And he's like, yeah, I loved it. It was great. And I was like, oh, because a lot of people said it sucked, you know? And he just looked at me and whatever. It's just like, yeah, I, I fucking froze because he's, you know, a big deal in my life. You know, he plays music that really touches me. And, and meeting some of your, your heroes is always difficult at times. Oh, yeah. There are many, many horror stories of meeting somebody that you held in high regard and mm-hmm. then, then just shitting all over your heart. There is a common refrain of don't meet your heroes. 
But then there are also stories, and it's amazing how many of them in the uh, voice actor community are genuinely incredibly nice people. Yeah. And it's weird. I really have to do some soul searching if I want to join this community in any fashion because I'm a dick. I I mean, I'm glad you said it because I didn't want to be the asshole saying that you're a dick. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, like, all right, so we have consistently teased one another because we're very close. Like we've been best friends since mid high school and you know, deer is the same way. I will tease deer relentlessly because we were college roommates and we've been friends for the better part of our lives. Like we've been Mm -hmm. friends and we've known each other for longer than we didn't. Yeah. So we're allowed to be dicks to one another. That's part of our special brand of toxic max masculinity. Holy shit. That's a lot of rum. Uh, like we, we, I've been drinking a hundred proof all day and I think it's starting to catch up with me, which is fucking awesome. See, I told you we were going to do a drunk podcast. I just didn't realize it was going to be this one, but it's not this one because I'm really not participating in that. Okay. You can participate later. I'm participating now. Where the fuck was I? Oh, being nice. Yeah. We have a special brand of toxic masculinity where we can be assholes to one another and we know Mm. that we're just joking around and being dicks but there are so many stories of just being supportive and being nice and like i gotta figure out how to be nice like i said i'm kind of a dick and i'm sure everybody has stories of me just being an asshole there are stories in that voice actor community of just people being selfless and generally nice. And this is who they are. They're not putting on an act. They're actors, but this is not an act. They're also no. it is a close knit community. And I'm trying to shoulder my way into that. I'm going to be like, no, no, I belong here. I'm totally not an asshole. <laughs> and I'll show you how much of an asshole I can't be. Like, I'm sorry. I can't see you say that in a sh- with a straight face and not laugh. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. That is where the acting skills will have to come into play because I'll have to fool them into thinking that I'm not an asshole. Yes. And yeah, I mean, there are various degrees of asshole. I think there's just, you know, a specific non-filter on what I say sometimes rather than just outright maliciousness. Maybe the alcohol has a little bit of a, a twist on what I say and what I don't. But then I'll come to my senses and I'll edit some of this shit out later. So whatever. (laughs) I don't even remember where that conversation started because rum. (laughs) That was brought to you by rum. All right. Well, I think it's time for us to say bon voyage because if we're going to do the drunk thing, you shouldn't get too, too much more drunk. Because we need to be drunk when we start, not when we're close to the end or at the end. No, all right. That's fair, I guess. Because, yeah, I want to do like a, okay, one shot, one drink, boom, boom, let's get started, let's do this shit, and then, yeah. So, anyway, I think that I would like to say to everybody, thanks for listening. I hope this was as enjoyable for you as it was for me. Tony. Order. Your small shop pizza for delivery. Find your favorite pizza dish. Let us know what it'll be and drink up. We'll see you next week.